Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's pray to get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together. Our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. And I pray that the instructions of today will build and change our lives forever. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Alright, this evening I, I want to share something that the Lord has been putting in my heart in the last couple of days. And um, it's called Learn of Me. Learn of Me. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to read from verse 25. Matthew chapter 11, and verse 25. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Matthew 11, verse 25. We're going to stop at verse 30. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Look at these words. That you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and had revealed them to babes. He says, you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. But you have chosen to reveal them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Now look at verse 27. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. So it says, no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. That means the knowledge of the Father and the knowledge of the Son is between the Father and the Son. That means that for you to know the Father and for you to know the Son, it has to be either one of the Father or the Son revealing the other party to you. So if you want to know the Father, the Son has to tell you about the Father. If you want to know about the Son, the Father has to tell you about the Son. Are we together? Say amen if you're here. All right. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So that tells us that the knowledge of God's word is a product of revelation. That is why Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding might be enlightened that we may know. 
Praise God. Now, the next verse. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. What labor is this? What, what heavy burdens was he talking about? This was referring to the labor of trying to please God by works. Because they were trying to serve God. And funny enough, we, ha we, we have also not broken completely free from that mindset. So if we are not careful, we are more concerned about what we can do for God than what we can learn of Him. If you get that equation wrong, <laughs> you might never offer perfect worship to the Lord. He goes on to say, Come to me, all you who labor, and I have a ladder, and I'll give you rest. So he says, I will give you rest. The first rest. Verse, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. Right? And learn from me. Learn from me. So when he says, come to me, I'll give you rest, he was actually talking about an invitation to learn from him. You know, learning is not very easy. Most of us don't want to learn. We want to show off what we know. Even if you're teaching children and you, you know, sometimes with the kids, you're trying to help them with their example, you, you, you start showing them from number one and number two, then they say, don't worry, don't worry, I know it. And then they go number three, number four, and then number five, they're calling you and say, uh, what do we do about number five? I thought you knew it. Nobody likes to learn. We all like to show off. You know, even as a preacher, I can either preach for you to understand or I can preach in such a way that you leave here and say, man, our pastor can preach. You know, if you leave here and say, man, that pastor can preach, you know, I haven't done my job. Because I'm not supposed to preach to impress you for you to know I'm a good preacher. I'm, I'm <coughs> excuse me, I'm rather supposed to teach you so you would learn of Christ. That means after every message, the longing of your heart should be more of, wow, I think I need to learn this thing more. I think I need to study more. So Jesus says, come and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Gentle. It means you cannot learn if you're not gentle. The King James Version uses the word meek. Meek and lowly at heart. To be gentle. We cannot receive the word of God with pride in our hearts. We cannot receive God's word with pride in our hearts. And funny enough, pride masquerades 
in very subtle form. You know, I can be teaching this now and say, let's go to Matthew chapter 11 and say, I know that scripture. And, and you will not open your Bible. I can say, let's read. Let's look at Matthew chapter 11 and let's read. And you can just cross your leg and say, let them read. And I'm telling you. Are you following what I'm saying? You can just sit in the service. You don't think there's any need to take notes. Just, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, ah, three years ago, I listened to a message like that. It's very, and, and you, you just realize that you are not learning. You are not learning. Even as a preacher, I can approach the word of God without learning. Every time I open the Bible, oh, this would be a good message for Sunday. Oh, this would be a good message for Wednesday. And I spend my whole life gathering sermons and I'm not learning. He wasn't talking to sinners. He was talking to religious people. He says, come and learn of me. These were the same religious people that he healed a man on the Sabbath and they were angry. And Jesus asked them a simple question. If you had a donkey on the Sabbath, would you allow the donkey to die? Our worship of God can become so routine that it doesn't change our lives. You know, most times if you ask a believer, are you committed in church? They say yes. What's the next thing they point you to? The department they are in. Or you hear something like, I'm a worker. That's why I don't use that term worker. I rather use our term service team. I'm a worker. <laughs> worker of works. And you see this. You see why I say we all need to learn of him? That department they have put you now to work, let's say in the choir, let's say in the, in the children department, you will now realize that we are quarreling and fighting amongst ourselves in that work. Strife, gossip, envy, backbiting, in, in the work. <laughs> in the worker's unit. And then it moves from there, becomes political. Then you see people start scheming who is going to be head of the worker's union. It's almost like a parliamentary system. The workers want it this way. The pastor wants it this way. And you discover that we are all now political members. And yet, we are doing this work to serve him. And he says, no, come and learn of me. Don't, you see, you can't impress God. You can't impress God. You know how sometimes you think you're walking in love until a situation comes where you need to show love and you realize you don't have love in you. It's abundance of hatred mixed, sprinkled with a bit of love. Praise God. A time where you need to show forgiveness and bam, you discover that you looked all around you. There's no forgiveness to give. It says, learn of me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Now, something is happening here. He first of all said, come to me and I'll give you rest. Then he says, learn of me and you will find rest. So what is Jesus talking about? First one, it's an invitation to the possibility of rest. Now, that invitation does not mean you will experience rest. So, I'll give you this way. I can say, now this is an example. 
<laughs> Come to church on Sunday and you're going to have ice cream. That's why I say it's an example. Because <laughs> you're going to invite guys, man, come to church on Sunday. Our pastor always keeps his word. Okay, so this is an example. If I say, come to church on Sunday and you're going to have an ice cream each, right? Now, will there be ice cream in church? Sure. Example. In the example, there will be ice cream. Right. <laughs> in the example, there will be ice cream. Right. But does that mean you will partake of the ice cream? No. What, until you do what? You come. Now, when you come to church, it doesn't also automatically mean that you will have the ice cream. Then I can say, well, when you come to church, the ice cream will only be served to those who stay till the end of the service. Right? Now, the first word I said when I said come to church and you have ice cream is not a lie. It's the truth. There's ice cream in church, right? But for you to be able to get the ice cream, this is what you need to do. So Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. But he says, if you really want this rest to experience it, you now have to learn of me. Then you will find the rest for your soul. So it is in learning of him that we find rest. So if we come to him and we don't learn of him, we might not find that rest. And where is that rest going to be found? Not in your bank account. Where are you going to find it? In your soul. What is your soul? The seat of your will, your emotions, your intellect. You will find rest for your soul. But you have to learn of him. Praise God. Are you still here? When we begin to learn of him, we will begin to know the Father. We will begin to know the Son. What's going to be the product of this learning? We will now become like the Father and the Son. How do I know you are matured? The more you become like Christ. That's a sign of maturity. The more you become like Christ. The more you love like Christ. The more you become patient like Christ. Praise God. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing else will test our maturity. Nothing else. How Christ-like are you? If we are to measure the amount of Christ in you, how many percent are we going to find? Are we going to find 95% flesh, 5% Christ? Or 45% Christ, the other percent Christ, or flesh? Yeah, that's, that's the big deal. That's why we come here every time, to learn of Christ. Because he says that his yoke is easy. <laughs> that means there is a yoke. Now the word yoke is also used as a symbolic, of a, um, a symbolic expression to mean to submit like a disciple. He said my discipleship is easy. Unlike the Pharisees. Let's see how the, the Pharisees were doing their own. Luke 11. Luke 11. Amazing, amazing stuff. <laughs> are, you, are you still here? Praise God. Someone asked me one time, he said, why do you always tell people, are you still here? And the people are sitting in front of you. I said, yeah, because people can sit down and travel. Can be thinking of their food, thinking of school fees, thinking of 
everything and they are just waiting for the final confession forever and ever. Amen. And then they are out. Luke chapter 11. Praise God. Let's start reading from verse 37. Then we stop at verse 46. Interesting. And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and sat down to eat. When the Pharisees saw it, he marveled he had not first washed before dinner. Now in Judaism, I was explaining to someone the other day, I said, we've not been able to really separate Judaism from Christianity. That's why we have a lot of confusion. Right? Christianity came out from Judaism. But, you know, after the cross, we ought to follow what is written in the epistles. But we, we, we try to draw a bit of this end because it makes us feel spiritual. You know, and I explained to you, for instance, you have people who do feet washing as, you know, a miraculous program or something and they get miracles from it. But I've explained to you that feet washing, especially when Jesus did it, it was a culture. What was the culture? Their roads were dirty. So when they walked for a long distance, everybody came into the house. The lowest servant ought to take the rag and wash the feet of the disciples. Now, they all sat there. Everybody was a big boy. Peter was not going to do it. Judas had the money bag. But Matthew was an ex-tax collector. His CV was full. Nobody was going to wash the disciples' feet. So Jesus had to do it as a symbol of humility. So what Jesus was teaching there was not a key to breakthrough. Jesus was teaching us the spirit of humility, of servitude. Okay. Now, when we went to Kenya, they have, their health statistics is very good. So they get to wash, you wash your hands with warm water all the time, right? We don't have it as a culture here, although we are trying to, you know, force people to wash their hands, you know. But at a point, it really got me irritated because I just wash my hands now, and then we're eating this thing, I finish. I'm not going to eat with my hands, right? I'm using my knife and everything. But then I wash my hands, and then the next minute, they're asking me to wash my hands again. The next minute, I'm like, so listen, guys, listen. I know you guys want me healthy, but where I come from, we wash once a day. Do you understand it? So it's okay. It, the sickness, even if it comes to me, is my body. So, you know, it's a culture for them. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So, for instance, if somebody in Kenya is talking about washing of hands, I will think I understand what he means. I don't. Do, 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 you get, do you get my point? So, this was what was happening here. When the Pharisees saw Jesus, he marveled. He was surprised that he had not first washed before dinner. Like, ah, guy, that's not how they do it here. But hey, let's go on. <laughs> when the Pharisees saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. I'm not saying don't go and wash and say you want to be like Jesus, all right? Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, you make the outside of the cup and the dish clean. But your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Wow. Foolish ones. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give arms of such things as you have. Then indeed all things are clean to you. But woe to you Pharisees. For you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs. And passed by justice and the love of God. This you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Now, some people who teach uh, that you don't have to tithe in the New Testament, they try to, I don't know how to explain this scripture, but it's very clear here. I mean, you'll need somebody to help you misinterpret it. 
Jesus said, this you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. He didn't say don't tithe, right? He says you should have done all of this. There's nothing wrong with this, but you left two things, which is what? Justice and what? The love of God. What is God trying to teach us right here? That anything you are doing should be out of the love of God. So you're not fighting so that God will not curse you. You're rather fighting out of what? The love of God. You love God and you love his work and you love his house. Praise God. Okay. So you see, these guys could tithe without love and without justice. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogue, greetings in the marketplaces, social media. 44. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like graves which are seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. <laughs> you know, right here, we, our graves are. We build houses on top of them. Sometimes we even like to bury people inside the house. But in those times, they had their graves and there was no marker on them, okay? So you could literally walk on top of a grave and realize that, oh, this was not a grave. That's what Jesus was saying. So in your mind, you'll be thinking that you're walking in a very fertile ground, not knowing that underneath you were skeletons and all kinds of stuff. Then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. That's why you shouldn't contribute all the time. And he said, woe to you also lawyers. <laughs> I mean, this, this kind of service would have been a woe service. Like we're inviting you, Jesus is teaching, and he's going to be doing woes. It's beautiful. Lawyers say, ah, you're, you're insulting us, learned men. <laughs> and Jesus says, woe to you also lawyers. For you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourself do not touch the bodies with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your father, for they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. <laughs> Therefore the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute. That the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the temple. Yea, I say to you, shall be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers. For you have taken away the key of knowledge. And this is serious. I don't have time to go through it, but I'm going to spend a Sunday on this. How ministers of the gospel take away the key of knowledge. You hear somebody stand on the pulpit and his teacher saying, this thing is a mystery. You will not understand it. That's why you're there. You, you, I'm not sitting there so you increase my confusion. Why do you go to church on Sunday to hear mysteries? What does the word mystery mean? Something covered. If it's covered, don't cover it. We're not in a cult. That's why we have believers practicing a lot of things they don't have understanding about. And if you ask them, if you go deeper, they don't know why they're doing it. They just, you know, the, the easiest thing to do, it works. It produces miracles. <laughs> it, 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 like 17 mysteries in the kingdom. <laughs> I don't like mysteries. It says you take away the key of knowledge. So the people don't know because the key is taken away. 
You did not enter yourself. And those who are entering, you hindered. So you have believers who are not, they, they are not in the kingdom. They don't have an idea of what the kingdom of God is. They don't have an idea of convictions, why they do what they do. So you see that when any little thing comes, we're just shaking. Just shaking. Praise God. The key of knowledge. So you've taken away the key of knowledge. So we're almost serving God blindly. We're just following. Coupled with the poverty and the economic situation in our nation, you know, we've spent a lot of time thinking about how to eat, how to drink, what to wear. So by the time we come to church, our brains are even tired. Just say, Amen. I receive it. I receive it. It is mine. I receive it. <laughs> and I'll tell you something, right? When you begin to come into the knowledge of God's word, the things that you used to testify were miracles, you will realize that they are normal life of the believer. It's just normal for you to experience increase. Praise God. And this is what's going to happen to you. Your passion for setting testimonies will change. While you are experiencing increase and breakthrough and all kinds of things, the yearning of your hearts will be that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Those things will no longer be the things that proved that God loved you. Because the proof that God loves us is that he reveals himself to us. He shows us who he is. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Look at this. You did not enter yourself. And those who were entering, you hindered. And as he said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things. Look at verse 54. Lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something that he might say that I might, they might accuse him. You see, this is the exact same thing Jesus was talking about. They were asking questions. In your mind, you would think that they were asking to know. The Bible says no. They were asking for him to say something so they can accuse him. So that means they were asking him questions not to learn but to fault him. Praise God. Are you still here? Jeremiah chapter 6. What I'm trying to this is, I mean, this is just basic, right? This is just like exhortation, like we're reading Bible. We're not really doing Bible study. It's just like, read and read it back like this is what it says. You know what I want to push you to do after today? To learn of Jesus. Let that be your highest goal. I want to be like him. Praise God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If something happens in your day, you realize that you didn't act like Jesus, let that push you back to the Father, that I need to learn more. Even as a pastor, I need to learn more. I need to become more like Jesus. That's the goal. Praise God. Jeremiah 6 verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find a rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. <laughs> God says, look at this. Find a way. Walk so you can find rest. There is a way that brings rest to your soul. If you, if you look at Christianity the way we practice it today, it's a burden. People are tired. 
do this, do this, don't do this, do this, do this. Confused. Even somebody asked me one day, he said, we are tired. The doctrines are too much. This one believe this one. This one believe this one. This one believe. What should we believe? I said, believe anything you want to believe. It's confusion everywhere. Praise God. This one say God has sent me to raise army. This one say God has sent me to raise army with fire. This one say God has asked me to raise success. Okay, what did God ask us to raise? And if we all stick to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to 13, the mandate is one. He sends his pastors, his prophets, his evangelists, his teachers to do what? Let's read it. Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Come on now, verse 12. Ephesians 4, 12. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we are come to the unity of the faith. Come on, the next line. And of what? Come on, everybody. And of what? And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What's the goal? The knowledge of the Son of God. Does this agree with what we read in Matthew now? Come and learn of me. Yeah. What's our primary mandate? You know, we have to write all those things because they have to print something there. What's our primary mandate? Teach people about Christ. That's all. Learn more of the Son of God. Because that's what, in the next verse, you will see that if you learn more of this, what's going to happen? The next one. Then you will not be, what? Tossed to and fro by what? Every what? Wind of, verse cover now, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. In cunning, craftiness, or deceitful plotting. You know these four characteristics, you find it a lot now. Wind of doctrine, trickery of men, cunning, craftiness, deceitful plotting. And there's only one thing that can prevent this, the knowledge of the Son. Praise God. Okay. First John chapter 2. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First John chapter 2. Simple way to test. Every time you hear a message, ask yourself, does this message drive in me a hunger to become more like Christ? That's it. That's a test. Or, with this message, do I now understand Jesus more? Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, sometimes I teach some very inspirational messages, like when I taught uh, the lepers who became leaders. And then, you know, sometimes I really struggle to teach those messages, not because I can't, I can't teach them. You know, but after the message, I ask myself, like, did this build Christ in the people? I know it's motivational, it's inspirational. People want to go out and do stuff and go out and do stuff. But you realize that most of those messages, what they inspire you to do is you're going to build a bigger business, you're going to become a leader, you are taking over, you are, you are going to be a great man. Those are the things they inspire you to do. 
it, it might likely not inspire you to say, I need to be more like Christ. In fact, in your bid to become a great man, some of the little Christ nature you have, you might just throw it away. Yes, I said, Pastor have told us, lepers can become leaders. Buy the book, it's a good book. But what I'm trying to say is that those kind of messages, right? Let me explain how a church should be built. Once in a while, we just put those messages to push you a bit out of your comfort zone, comfort zone for your career, for your business, for your potential. We can't be doing that every Sunday. If not, you will breed unbelievers. Are you following what I'm saying? Once in a while, I just motivate you here and there. Yeah, yeah. Because your greatest problem is not that you're not successful. Your greatest problem is that you don't know Christ. Because if you know him as you should know him, you can't fail. Do, do you understand that? If you know, if, imagine you know Jesus the way you should know him. In fact, the thought that you have not succeeded is because you have still not known Christ. That's why you are still thinking you are not a success. Because your salvation don't mean anything to you. What means something to you is what you pack there. See, every time I'm coming, the way these traffic people are looking at me, it's because I'm not driving. But my God, we answer me. You, 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 you understand what I'm saying? You, so you realize that even though you are coming to church, the real thing is you want to use God to hammer. You've tried this on, say, let me face God this year and see what God will do by December. That your face God is not to learn of him. That face God is, what are the principles? Where is the method? They say, okay, win so, you, God will bless you. You just enter market. Where are you people? Come to church. Come. It's not because you want those people to be born again. You just want to make sure that when you stand to pray, say, God, so winning, I've done it. Giving, I've done it. Tight, I've done it. You service unit, I belong. What do you need again before you release this money? Do you understand what I'm saying? So you just realize that I've done all these things. So that's why you see that it's becoming a frustration because people now do things and they're still bothered. It's not working. Then you're able I've done it before. Do you understand? Meanwhile, all those things are not bad. But they come from a place where we have learned so much of Christ. We feel that this life is so good. I need my brother to come and be part of it. The motivation will change. It will not be so God can do something for you or you want to do something for God. It will not be like, listen, uh, in fact, this is the kind of motivation that can lead a man to resign a well-paying job and say, this truth is so eternal. I need to go share it with some people. I, I, are you following the motivation? The things you are running after, you begin to leave them because you see them as distractions to the truths you have learned. And this cannot be taught to you by any man. You have to do your own learning. Are you following what I'm saying? Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you, are you here? And let me tell you this. Eh? Let me just put this as a... I don't know how to put it, but let me tell you this, right? You, sometimes you think when you teach this and you believe this, God, in this ministry, we are blessed. It's not uh, that whether you should say amen or something. I'm describing something to you. Do, do you realize it? So don't think that uh, if you don't, no, 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 no. Some of the miracles that happen in this ministry are incredible. I'll give you one, one testimony that happened last year. A member of our church, this period, they traveled on that uh, Lagos Ibadan Road. And when they were coming, robbers opened fire on the vehicle face to face. 
no bullet touched them. They came out unharmed. I know most of you are hearing it for the first time because I didn't make them stand up here to say it. So don't think that we don't have those manifestations. We have them in multiple folds. But our hunger is that we want to become more like Christ. You know, that can happen to somebody and the next day, the person gets angry and leaves church and does not serve God again. You think you have seen miracles? We have not seen miracles as the children of Israel. They saw a whole river turn red. You would think that those kind of people would never disobey God. They were the ones that told God that, listen, is it because that there are no graves in Egypt? These were children of Israel talking to God. Say that, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that we want to eat onions and garlic? Health people. <laughs> we like our diet. So, from day one, I have told myself, miracles do not build anybody. Won't. They won't build anybody. You can't convince me otherwise. Some of the people who attacked Christ the most saw the most miracles. What builds people? When they learn of Christ. When, imagine a whole generation, only two people believed God's word. In fact, it was their demand for miracle that killed their senior pastor, Moses. <laughs> yeah, I read it to you here now. When Moses said, God should kill him. He even said, am I the one that gave birth to all these people? Moses now talking to God. And they were the ones that caused it. They said they want water. This man was tired. Moses was wearied. Moses was wearied. What miracles did they not see? Red Sea, you would think that after the Red Sea, even if God did nothing. That's how we are, all of us, including me preaching. I remember the time that church was 12. Man, I was so excited. We were 12. We started with three people. I know sometimes I'm, I'm like, how many people are in church? They won't 50. I'm like, ah, what's happening now? Where did everybody go to? Why are people not coming to church? You're almost getting discouraged. That you're Don't forget that one time your highest was 12. That's the human nature. You see, nothing God, listen, listen, nothing God is going to do for you tomorrow will ever satisfy you. Take it as a statement of fact. Even if they say this whole island belongs to you, in one day you will come cry. I never expected it. Oh my Jehovah. Oh my God. The one who gave me the island. The next week, you know what you're asking for? Potakot. <laughs> I mean, am I right or wrong? Every one of listen, every one of us seated here. This is not word of knowledge. Every one of us seated here. There is something we have asked from God and say, God, if you do this one, ah, this one, I will not come near your temple to ask you anything again. He has done it. I am back. <laughs> you know why? You were never designed to be satisfied by what God does for you. You were only to be satisfied by who you become in him. That's the only thing that will give you satisfaction. What did, what did David say? He said, I'll be satisfied when I wake up in your likeness. That's it. Nothing. God will bless you. I mean, I know God is going to bless you. God is going to give you stuff. God is going to give you, I mean, you will be blessed. You will have children. You will marry. You will have your house. But there will still be that yearning. Why? Because every time your humanity reminds you that you're still not like Christ. And that's the goal. So, the earlier you set that as your means of satisfaction, the better for you. 
Are, are you following what I'm saying? You just discover that all these things are coming and it don't even mean anything to you. Whether you have, whether you don't have, your gaze is on Christ. You know, the Bible says, seek your first the kingdom of God and all the other things will be added unto you. You know, that's not a formula. That's actually supposed to be our life. But you know, people now turn that to become a formula. I say, okay. <laughs> say, the Gentiles seek these things. Okay. Say, but God say, if we seek him, he will give us this. Say, okay, guy, let's not follow the Gentiles' way. Let's follow the way of Jesus. You know, that already is corrupt motives. Because you're not serving him for who he is. It's clear now. It's in the Bible. The story of Job showed us that. Right? God bless Job. He was the greatest man in the East. And then, bam, 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 things began to go wrong. His wife decided to become a voluntary widow. Say, cause God and die. Uh-uh. <laughs> Can you imagine the, the prescription of the wife? He said, cause God and die because there's no use living. And Job said something. You know, we put it as a sticker. I've never, you know, there were times they were selling that sticker. I never bought it because I never prayed to experience what Job prayed so I can say that thing. <laughs> you know, people just buy stuff. You know, when Job says, I know my Redeemer liveth, you know it wasn't something his pastor told him. It was a confession of conviction. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Even with that, I know my Redeemer liveth. The man had complained to the point where God summoned him for a meeting and said, Job, come. Where were you when I created the earth? I mean, but it was out of here. It wasn't a nice statement. But thank God Job was able to persevere. And the Bible says the latter part of his life was greater than the former. You know what that tells us? You can't stay with God and go down. It'll just be a matter of time. These things that we are killing ourselves over, they will come in abundance. And I tell people this. Sometimes if you are honest with yourself, some of your greatest miracles that happen in your life, you didn't even know when God brought them. You were just on your own and something happened. You just realized, wow. Some were not things you prayed for. Some were not things you believed for. But you know why? In that state of rest, it was easy for God to bring what he really wants for you. Rest is one of the most difficult states for man to achieve. Even if I say let all of us rest for just two minutes, you know what's going to happen? First thing, why are we resting? Did anybody die? Is it, did he, you, you, your mind will be working. Do you understand? Your body, even, do you get what I'm saying? To come to a place of rest where there's no worry, no anxiety, it takes God. And that's why the scripture says it will keep us in perfect peace, whose mind is fixed on God. That word perfect peace is two shalom words used there in the Hebrew, shalom, shalom. He will keep us in peace, peace, whose mind is stayed on God. Praise God. Last scripture, 1 John John 2, 5 to 6. So what's our goal? Take the remaining five months of the year to learn of Christ. Praise God. Lord, I want to learn of you. I want to learn more of you. Look at this. 1 John 2, 5 and 6. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him. Look at this. Ought himself also to walk just as he walked. 
Praise God. Look at this. Put the amplified version if you have it there. Look at this. Verse 6, verse 6, guys. It says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk just as the Father worked. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Version 2, 6. That's a big task. It says, if you say you abide in him, you also walk as Jesus walked. Is that big? Okay. You have gone home. Is that a big task? First John 2, 6. If we say we abide in him, we ought to walk just as he walked. No excuse. This is our biggest goal. First John 2, 6 is the biggest goal of Christianity. Walking as Christ walked. This is the big deal here. And how can we walk as he walked if we come to learn of him? He is the only one that can teach us as he walked. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we yield ourselves to you today. <laughs> Lord, we, we release our fears. We release our anxieties. We release our concerns. We release our worries. We release our shortcomings. We release our sins. And we just release everything to you. And we rededicate ourselves to the process of learning. Lord, we're asking in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we want to make these our goal, to work even as you walked. And we're praying today, God, that you would help us with your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.